I'm Donovan Kane. Welcome back to the podcast and this full-length audiobook presentation of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series, written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. And now, episode 29 of Red Sin. Chapter 29. Julia. Van opened the door to the entry, and we stepped beyond the glass French doors. Through the sidelights, we could gaze out onto the driveway. The SUV was parked facing the south wing as the doors began to open. Three of them. My stomach sank, and I reached for Van's hand. His body stiffened beside mine. Fuck, Van muttered under his breath. I could barely articulate what was happening. They brought Skylar. My father had said he'd tell him off, and now Skylar was with them? The threesome stood still for a moment on the driveway, doing as I'd done upon my first arrival, taking in the sheer size of Van's home. As if on cue, the floodlights illuminated the area. I turned to Van in question. Light sensor. Dad, Mom, and Skylar turned in all directions, squinting as they took in the sudden influx of light. I can tell them the invitation is revoked, Van offered. He squeezed my hand. If you're going to marry me, you'll learn fast. I have no issues with being the asshole. My neck straightened. No, you were right before. I need to face them. I've already faced Skylar, but screw him. If two rejections weren't enough for him, I was thinking of when I left the ring with the note, and then also our conversation at the hotel bar in Ashland. I'll be happy to give him a repeat performance. As the three of them began to walk toward the solid, large door, Van reached for my chin and brought his lips to mine. The kiss was chaste and quick, leaving a smile on my face. I have your back, but you don't need me. I blinked away the prickle of tears. I think I do, Van. I think you're exactly what I've needed. I just didn't know it. He took a deep breath as the chime of the ringing doorbell echoed through the entry and beyond. Taking a step forward, he opened the door. From my perspective, I saw the surprise in the three sets of eyes. Undoubtedly, they'd expected someone else, perhaps a housekeeper or maid. That was who would have answered the door at either my parents' home or Skylar's parents. Mr. Sherman, my father said, being the first to speak. Van took a step back. Mr. McGrath, Mrs. McGrath. He paused long enough to punctuate his greeting with an added bit of unease. And Mr. Butler. He nodded toward Skylar. An unexpected surprise. From my vantage, I found it odd the way the three of them were looking at Van. Odd and also interesting, as if they were all intimidated by his mere presence. Maybe they were. Would I feel differently about Van if I'd met him under different circumstances? Mr. Sherman, they all acknowledged as they came through the door. My mother was the first to address me, coming closer and wrapping me in an embrace. I needed to see you, 
here I am. For the first time I could recall, I found myself skeptical of her glassy eyes and the sincerity in her voice. I couldn't explain how they felt orchestrated when they never had before, but nevertheless, that's the way they felt. She gripped my shoulders, staring directly into my eyes. We have so many things to discuss. She peered over her shoulder at Van and back. Come with us, these are family matters. My gaze met Van's. It wasn't a lingering stare or even long enough to enjoy the depth of his emerald orbs with their flickering gold flecks. It was enough to bolster my strength. I opened the French doors to the house. You're here, come inside, we can talk here. And once we're married, Van will be family. Skylar, on the other hand, I let the rest go unsaid. Mom went inside. Standing my ground as sentry, I waited as Mom's blue eyes darted from here to there as she took in the surroundings. Van's home wasn't as opulently decorated as our home. The limestone structure in Lincoln Park was maintained as if it were a stop on the historical house tour. It wasn't. My mother would loathe having strangers enter her home and trample her expensive rugs. Yet the contrast was as obvious as cold versus warm. Where my childhood home appeared cold and staged to an outsider, it was impossible not to feel the metaphoric warmth of Van's home, the woodwork, furnishings, and literal warmth of the huge fireplace. Dad stopped before passing me, reaching for my hand and giving it a squeeze. I've missed you, little girl. His familiar address wasn't upsetting. Some things went without saying. One day when I was a grandmother, I'd still be my father's little girl. I held my breath as the last of the trio passed me. Skylar's lips appeared glued together in a straight line as he walked past Van and then me, his blue eyes fixed on the room ahead. Van's hand came to the small of my back, finding its way between the sweater and tank top beneath. You've got this, he whispered. Soon, the five of us were in the living room. Please, have a seat, I said. And I suppose if you plan to stay, you can take off your coats. I'll take them, Van offered, gathering the coats and laying them upon a chair closer to the entry. His choice of location was all the better for them to grab on their way out. The thought made me smile. Them leaving, Van and I alone. Surely you have help, Mom said as she handed Van her coat. This is too much house for one man. Van grinned as he replied, Thankfully, my lonely days and nights are over. Mom's neck straightened. I'd been too busy watching her to see Dad's or Skylar's response. Mr. Sherman, Dad began. Van again gestured toward the sofas before the fireplace. Please, as Julius said, sit. It's Christmas, and I'm sure you have places to be. As you can tell by the delicious aroma in the air, Julia and I have dinner waiting. He shrugged. Had we had advance notice, we would have had more food for us all to enjoy. So that's why Van started the meal. I could live with that. Mom, 
Dad, Van, and I sat as Skylar, still wearing his overcoat, walked to the tall windows. The bay beyond was veiled in darkness, yet the scene seemed to hold his attention. I had a sudden memory of the smudge that Margaret had found so unusual, and in a childish way, I wished for its reappearance right where Skylar was standing. This recent change in plans came suddenly, Mom said. I sat taller. Skylar's impending parenthood? Is that what you're talking about? From the corner of my eye, I saw Skylar turn. His voice boomed throughout the open space. She lied, Julia. Beth isn't pregnant. I knew that wasn't true from my conversation with Vicky. Or at least I knew Beth had been pregnant. Her current status wasn't my concern. The cancellation of the wedding wasn't sudden, I said, speaking to both of them. It was overdue. Your mother means, Dad offered. What is happening here? Turning to Van, I took in his competent grin. In that second, I saw the man he told me he could be. I saw the qualities in his eyes. Van would let me handle this. He'd encouraged me to handle this. Yet at no time was he unprepared. There was a calm calculation in his expression. He may have been surprised by Skylar's presence, but he was nonetheless equipped to handle wherever this discussion went. If I were to guess, I'd say that Van was prepared before he offered the invitation for their arrival. Who I currently saw was the man whose memoir I had been hired to write. He was the wolf on Wall Street, the predator who seeks out wounded companies and businesses, and the man at the top who alone determines the fate of those within his sights. What is happening here, I offered, sitting near the edge of the leather chair, is cosmic irony. I came to Ashland without knowing the identity of the man advertising for someone to pen his memoir. I didn't expect to end up in a blizzard or a snowbank. I certainly didn't know who rescued me. Or where the white ribbon would lead, Van added. Seemingly ignoring Van's comment, my mother pleaded, Julia, Skylar asked to come with us to apologize to you in person and explain that Beth isn't carrying his child. I shook my head. Thank you, Mom. For? For speaking for Skylar. I've noticed his inability to say more than a few words since his arrival. He's fortunate to have you here to articulate his feelings. I, I'm not. Oh, but you are. I stood. It's what you do. You probably have already conveyed my feelings in return. However, you forgot to ask me what they are. Tell me, am I willing to listen to his apology for sleeping with my best friend? Before she could respond, I went on. My thoughts regarding Beth's pregnancy state is that regardless of her current status or, I turned towards Skylar, the accuracy of the text message I read, it doesn't matter. Right. Mom said, it doesn't. You have a life in Chicago, not here in this godforsaken wilderness. I suppressed a smile, thinking of the cabin. Van's home wasn't a godforsaken wilderness. If only my mother could see the cabin. My attention stayed on my mother. No, I said matter-of-factly. 
What doesn't matter is Beth's pregnancy status, or what it was. It matters that she claimed Skylar was the father, and he didn't deny the possibility. I turned to my ex-fiancé. If returning the engagement ring and our subsequent conversation at the hotel didn't make it clear enough for you, I don't accept your apology. We can't work this out. You don't know the truth about him, Skylar said, his chin pointing toward Van. Shaking my head at his pathetic attempt to attribute blame, I looked at Mom. You said there's more to marriage than love. You're right. There's trust and fidelity. I won't walk into a marriage without those fundamental elements. And yet, Mother replied, you agreed to marry Mr. Sherman. Van was sitting back, with his ankle resting on one knee. His eyes moved from Mother to me and back as if he were watching a tennis match, waiting for the game-winning point to be scored. Yes, I did. When? Dad asked. We haven't set a date. So you plan to live here in sin, Mother asked. Red sin? I didn't try to hide my smile. I have my own suite. If you expect us to believe, Skylar spoke from near the windows. I don't give a shit what you believe, I said, my volume rising. It's none of your business. You lost all rights as far as I'm concerned when you screwed my friend. I took a breath. But I won't lie to any of you. Van lowered his legs, sitting forward. I'm more content with Van than I ever imagined I could be, ever. In the short time we've been together, he's shown me that I have a voice. I turned to Mom, one you've successfully stifled over the years. You're only 24 years old, she said. I'm legally an adult. I can make my own decisions, and I have. Dad motioned for me to sit. You're right. I am? I didn't mean for it to come out as a question. You can make decisions. Just because you can make these decisions, Dad said with an element of calm my mother lacked, doesn't mean that they're the right ones. That isn't your fault. You don't have all the information on Mr. Sherman. He has a reputation he may not have shared with you. I'm sure there are many things about Van that I don't know. I turned toward him, seeing his gaze that I'd felt from my first word. And I'm willing to take a lifetime to learn them. Did he tell you that he's now secured another five of the remaining 15% of wage shares? Dad asked. I turned to Van. Without a word and from the expression on Van's face, I knew what my father said was true. I wanted to question Van and learn the details, but I also refused to expose a possible kink in the security of our snow globe to my parents. You didn't know, did you? Dad asked. I didn't, I replied honestly. However, I have Van's word that my wishes will be upheld regarding Wade. I trust him and his word. My father doesn't, Skylar said. He sent me an interesting file on Mr. Thomas. The use of Van's original last name had little effect on Van and more on me. 
I don't care what your father said. He wanted to sell Wade. He was going to take control while we were on our honeymoon. By the time we returned, he could have the entire company liquidated. That's not what dad was going to do, Skylar said, coming closer. The shares he had lined up were our wedding present. I knew about them, Jules. It was only a secret from you. Your parents knew. Mom and dad wanted to give us overarching control. Our future would have been secure. Now Sherman owns 26%, one more percent than the butlers. Why would he do that? A wedding present. Before I could reply, Van spoke to my father. What is your concern, Mr. McGrath? My concern is for my daughter. Your daughter is in good hands, I assure you. What is your concern regarding Wade Pharmaceutical? The end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series. Written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig. And read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. You can find out more about Aletha Romig and her books at aletharomig.com. Find out more about the show at steamystoriesforwomen.com.